Done. I just finished writing my draft of the proposal. Oh, awesome. Well done. Should have that ready to go by the end of the week. Okay, yeah, I was going later. All right. Actually, while we're on it, do you want to talk about the proposals that we write and who we're writing them for? Yeah, it could do. Might be a nice little topic for people to learn about how we work, actually. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So, actually, why don't, why don't you explain, for the benefit of the audience, why don't you explain the way we write a proposal, what leads us into writing a proposal and submitting it for review and approval? Yeah, so, obviously, everything starts with an inquiry. So, we, um, we have sort of a, a phase process we go through. So, we start off with what we call the engage phase, so that's where you know people get in touch with us, or you know we have some kind of communication with a, a potential client or a party of interest, um, and often what we'll then do is hold a, an initial meeting, which could be over video chat nowadays or over the phone, and basically we have a, a sort of a, a standard set of questions we like to understand to help us frame what it is they're after. That's it. Yeah, who they um, are and what their business is. Yeah, and we take quite a sort of a conversational approach. Um, so really, the most important thing at that initial sort of meeting is to build a, an understanding of what, what the relationship could be. So I need to, we need to understand who we could be working with, obviously what they're looking for, um, but there's, there's sort of a, a lot that surrounds that. Because we, we're not just going to take on work for anybody. No. Because we may, number one, we may not be the right fit. Nope. Uh, or number two, they may might not be the right fit for us. Mm-hmm. We um, we're kind of a stickler for tech for good. We, yeah, we like to work on websites and platforms and uh, digital projects that are actually going to have a positive impact on either the people that are going to be using it, the environment itself, or yep. society as a whole, or an amalgamation of all three. We we're not here to deliver addictive platforms. Yeah. Like that could be your gambling platform or it could be something more like social media, mm-hmm. which we know all too well how addictive that yeah. can be. And it's it's quite saddening sometimes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I think that, that for us is a, a really important step, as you say, to kind of get a, a good framing of everything. Um, we, need, we need to know what it is that, that we're getting into. Yeah. And the best way to start is by having a chat yes. with the client getting a good understanding of what it is they want to achieve because if we can understand their vision we know what it is expected of us yeah i think we we also go a little bit further than than perhaps normal as well in that um we have a a very highly collaborative approach so we're not just looking for somebody who is going to give us some work it's going to be a relationship so for us we want to, you know, almost embed ourselves within that company for, you know, the the four, six, twelve, eighteen months that that project's going to go on for. So that relationship has to has to spark from the beginning. Um, you know, there has to be that that level of of trust. There has to be that enthusiasm from all sides. Definitely enthusiasm. Um, and I think as well, I I, I I like to feel from from the people we're talking to that. They they understand the value of what we're trying to do, and I also like to to feel that they value our expertise. Um, you know, there there have been times in the past where somebody's said, "Oh, can you do this for me?" 
and actually have gone back and, and said to them, well, I don't actually think that's what you need. Um, and we will be very honest in that approach and say, look, we need to do this research and this level of understanding to go, what you thought you need isn't actually what you need. Mm. So you've, I think there have been examples in the past where um, they've requested a certain performing website and then you've come back and said, why haven't you actually considered doing this as a progressive web app? Yep. And they're like, what is that? Yep. And you then go into detail about it and explain that because it is sort of the next phase of the web and of, and of apps on our smart devices, it your product, and you would only recommend this if it was relevant to their business. Yes, yeah. It's like your business is primed for this uh, type of um, type of technology. Technology, technology. yeah. It's um, it's interesting to see like people's take on mm. what it is that we're we're offering, and understanding how they're perceiving what we're offering. Yeah, it always helps us improve as well. Yeah, it's, it's it's really it's interesting to try and strike that balance, sort of trying to allow people to understand that, and also not making them feel like you're trying to sell them something, because that's the last thing I want to do. Ultimately, you know, we want to use our technology to make the world a better place. So I'm, you know, we like to make sure our solutions are right. Hmm. Ultimately, I hate the. Um, Kind of oh yeah we've got we've got this thing that's kind of on the shelf that could be just tweaked for you there you go that'll work here's a, here's a template that we'll work from yeah and you know we'll just add in your your wording and a couple of your images we'll change the color scheme yeah and we're all done so is is that actually building a website that meets the needs of the client or are you trying to force the client's business to fit into a mold that you've already made yeah and we don't build from templates no we we are building from the ground up because we recognize that each business has a unique approach yes. to the way in which they do things. And they may have a unique way of wanting to target their clients that yep. sets them apart from their competitors. And we want to explore those opportunities. And if you can utilize those opportunities in the digital world, then you absolutely should. Mm. So the idea of utilizing the capabilities of a PWA, which is quite extensive now, it's really getting quite uh, complicated and detailed with how much you could do with a progressive web app. Yeah, but you can take little components of those things and, and saying this is actually really effective for your business. Yeah, we could introduce this co this component to your website yeah. to your if platform. We, if we align funds and time and energy and effort here, we can get this reward from it. Yeah, and we mould actually. Our, that's a really good point. That we mould our proposals to the needs of the client at that stage. Mm -hmm. So if they're saying I'm actually really um, short on finances at the moment. It's like, okay, what is it you actually need in this time frame and on this budget? It's like, yeah. well, I actually need a prototype to showcase to investors to sell the product and yes. then actually fund the build. I'm like, fantastic. We can break it down into two separate proposals if you like, yeah. or if we can make it one big proposal. Let's strip all this stuff out, yeah. And strip it all out, yeah, exactly. It's, um, we like, our, we again, our proposals don't actually work from a template. No. They're, they're actually molded to the needs of the client. Yeah. And... It's it's proven quite effective. Mm. I think one, one one thing we do a bit differently as well is that is we like to um, get the elephant in the room out of the way up front. Do you I remember? Um, yeah, going back a, a little while now, our old sort of format of, of proposing for projects, and you know, you put a lot of time and energy into a proposal to break it all down, give the timeline stuff like that. 
and the first thing that happens when you sit down with somebody is they flick through to the back page to see how much it's going to cost yeah. and how long it's going to take. And if they don't flick through to the back, their mind is constantly thinking about that figure. Yes. Like, how much is this going to cost me? It all sounds great. I'm not really listening, but <laughs> yeah. how much is it going to cost me? And we realised, let's get it out of the way from the get-go. Yeah. Let's um, put that time frame and put that cost on the very first page of the proposal. Yeah. Or as near to it. And it, it alleviates that that thought that is constantly yeah. uh, it stops people thinking about it so we can actually have the conversation yeah ultimately it's um it's interesting because our proposals did start off very clinical and very technical yeah and we realized they weren't translating to the client's needs and so we realized right let's actually make this a more human approach let's simplify the descriptions we're talking about and if we need to elaborate we can do that in the proposal review meeting Mm -hmm. So we like to write a proposal that is going to make sense to anybody who reads it. We like to break down the proposal to be as accurate in terms of time frame and costing as possible. Yes. While leaving some room for leeway to say that circumstances can change. Yeah. Because with all big projects, time frames can become yeah. affected. But yeah, the, the, the easiest thing to do in in this industry and that you see a lot of actually is, is over-promise and under-deliver. It's... It's just what happens. And we've been witnesses to that as well. Yeah. I think we've been competing for some proposals in the past and we lost out and we've mm. we've seen the end results and thought, okay, I I get why the client went with them. Yeah. Ultimately, it hasn't delivered what we expected the client wanted. Yeah. We still feel we can we can offer something. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um you mentioned sort of the idea of sort of ethics and working with certain companies, what what would you say is sort of the the sectors and areas that appeal to us? Well we're always um we're leaning on that side of tech for good. Yeah. We're always looking to work with things that benefit education, the environment, the health industry. Mm -hmm. It's it's serving a valued purpose yeah. is ultimately the goal of these platforms. And we've met we've met with clients who are focused on a renewable um, repurposing old materials, the idea of working with the healthcare business, yep. trying to do um, things with the education industry as well that we've been looking into and helping local communities grow and nurture. Yeah, we're always pursuing those types of projects because those are the projects that I not only need our help but also deserve it. Yeah, without sounding too arrogant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, um, I know, I know what you're trying to say. But it's that, yeah, it's thinking these are the people that need the most support and they deserve the most support. Yeah. So let's offer our services in that regard. Because as you say, we we could be working for other agencies and working ourselves to the bone for a project that we don't actually believe in. We could do that. But then ultimately you ask yourself, why am I in this mm. profession? Why am I doing this? Passion has to underpin a lot, doesn't it, I think? I think it's a huge motivator for us. Yeah. I mean, there are days when you know you, you do want to throw in the towel, no doubt, and it's that passion, yeah. and it's that it's that drive, the reason that you started this in the first place. You're like, yeah, no, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this this project is going to make a difference. There are people who are going to benefit, or there is some positive impact that I am helping achieve here. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 what motivation is, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting actually because. Um, I've been reading a, a book at the moment on um, psychology of, of web design. Mm. Um, so just just to give a little bit bit background on that, 
Um, I actually may, was made aware of this back in probably 2012. Um, so when I was at uni, there was a thing called Bath Digital Festival, which was a sort of week-long technology uh, event in Bath. And they had um, you know, conferences you can go to. There was an evening where we went and programmed a load of drones to dance around with each other and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and there was, there was this, one, this one conference um, that was, it was a, a talk given by a, a, a woman named Natalie Nahe, who is known as the web psychologist. Um, and I was blown away by the talk that, that, she, give, that she gave actually that day. Um, talking about how the the, the, the psychology level of, of design is is driving conversions and sales and all this kind of thing, and so I actually bought her book back then and and, and read it. And there's there's been a new version that came out a couple of years ago that I haven't got onto reading that um, I've now just started just started reading, and my sort of focus and what I'm trying to take away from it has changed because before I was I was looking at it and going okay how can I how can I use this to help drive you know sales for an e-commerce web, website I'm building or okay this is really in, 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 interesting I need to understand what colors are being used and that kind of thing obviously I'm not a designer it's not not my role but my role is is supporting through that UX phase um, but now I'm I'm trying to learn what not to do. So I'm trying to kind of take take away from it the things that are being done in the world and understanding which of those are ethically and morally right or wrong to be doing. So rather than thinking about it in a sense of, oh, I'm going to see what methods I can employ to uh, manipulate people's decision making yeah. I'm actually considering what influence this is going to have on people and whether or not that is the right thing to do yes yeah so is you know is is this particular piece of UI design being done to increase conversions or is it to help the right customers through the funnel mm. and there's there's a very fine line to, to be drawn there um, so yeah, it's quite quite interesting to me to kind of revisit that mm. all these years later on, and you know now I have my own business with you, and we're trying to do things in a in a different way. It's um, yeah, it's really interesting to kind of look at that from a different angle. I think I would certainly struggle to sleep at night knowing that there is a platform out there that I've had a hand in building, mm -hmm. and, uh, releasing that is influencing people in a way that they're possibly not aware of yeah and it's just you know manipulating and trying to siphon more out of them whether that be money or time yeah or you know opinion you know if they're just whipping them up into a frenzy in order to get them to engage it's, yeah uh, it can be it can be very sort of demoralizing to see that the power that so many of the platforms out there have yeah but i was actually before before we move on i just wanted to know um i've actually recently written an article about um, it's utilizing human weaknesses mm -hmm. to their advantage, and it's throwing into question whether or not these are ethically right or wrong. Yeah. And one of them I wanted to use was was about laziness, and I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. You did, yeah. But another another aspect I want to talk about the article, which I found really interesting when I discovered it, was the the problem with too much choice. 
Yeah. It's like our brains, we struggle to make a decision when there's too much to choose from. Yeah. I think if anybody's been on Netflix to try and find a TV show or a film they want to watch, they're just like, oh, where do I start? And the thing... I'm just shopping for a new bedside table. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, there's thousands of them. Yeah. But I, it was um, it was funny because there was a correlation with the, the amount of choice. The more options you have to pick from, the higher your expectation is raised. And the slower you are to make a decision because you're, you're right. hyping up yeah. the level because you're getting these individual products or films or TV shows yeah. to compete with each other and then you finally decide on one you're like, no, I shouldn't be watching this. I could have been watching that and you're disengaged. Right. And So because so. there's so many options, you feel like one of them has to be the right one. So you're taking longer about deciding to try and make sure you pick the right one. That's, that certain, sort of... that's certainly a component of it, absolutely. Yeah. And like I was saying with Netflix that is a problem and I think they've tried to mediate that by introducing this top 10 mm-hmm. thing in, in, in your country so it's like top 10 in the UK right yeah and whatever is hot on Netflix at the time is going to be near the top and that sort of like encourages you to pick that because you're using social influence it's sort of like word of mouth from other people like oh yeah. these other people are watching this I should like it too I should yeah. like it too I'm going to watch it yeah and it's a water cooler opportunity for you to talk about it so it's sort of circumnavigating that yeah, uh, to get around it but I'm not sure that's actually solving the problem because you still have that huge library of content to pick from Yeah, and then there was one platform that I found out called Mubi which is a movie streaming platform uh, but they I believe they only have 30 titles okay. on the platform and you're paying a monthly subscription to use that platform but what's clever is every day every 24 hours they take one movie off and they put one movie on Okay, right. So not only do you have a limited library of 30 films to choose from, yeah, you also have a time constraint Yes. of when you get the opportunity to watch so it. So do they, do they drop off... Um, for, so when it goes on there, it's now on there for 30 days, so it gradually gets closer to being taken yeah. off kind of thing, yeah. It'd be kind of weird if they, if they randomly said, uh, this Yeah, yeah, on. yeah, fair enough. <laughs> No, they uh, yeah they they last for thirty days and then it's gone. Okay, yeah, I see. And, and I find that quite creative in solving that sort of issue. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, it may not be a perfect solution, but it certainly it's is an attempt at a solution. I've, I've I don't think I've seen anything similar to that in terms of a streaming platform. It's like you're just bombarded with so much stuff to watch that you can't make a decision. Like every time I go. To, go to watch TV with my girlfriend, it's like, oh, what do you feel like watching? Oh, let's just default to the TV show we've always been watching and we've seen it a hundred times before. Yeah. Because it's familiar, we know what it's like. And it's we a watch safe it. option, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's about designing creative solutions that understand human weaknesses but don't necessarily manipulate us in a ethically questionable way. Yeah, okay. And I find that really fascinating. I think that's a really, really important challenge of a designer. Mm-hmm. is to make sure that what you're designing has the impact you're intending. Yes. Now, whether that's nefarious or whether that's a good thing. Yeah, it's... as long as it stays on path is, is is an important factor. I mean, I don't like the infinite scrolling capability on most social media platforms yep. because it's the, the idea of, like, if you, can't, if you can't physically see the end, you don't know how much time you've been spending and investing yes. and you're feeling less satisfied. I think that's called the refilling bowl principle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily like that feature, yeah, but I respect yeah. the hell out of the design, yeah, because it it does exactly what it was intended to do, and it does it so well, yeah. But it's it's things like that where you have to understand yeah. the weight of 
one little design feature mm-hmm. can have a huge impact on how people behave. Yeah. So I guess it's sort of um, understanding the users first rather than building the solution first, understanding what, what the goal needs to be. I think, yeah, you need to... You We always go user-driven. Yeah. You know, it's functionality first. Yeah. It's, it's focusing on what it is the user needs from the platform. And we, we articulate that to the clients who have asked yeah. for these proposals. We say, if you're focusing on it and this is your target audience and this is what you want them to achieve, we believe, we propose that this is the best solution that you can take. This is the best approach that you can take. Yeah. And we'll we'll defend that yeah. <laughs> all the way to the end. <laughs> yeah, those decisions to be made for a reason, right? So So you could you could accept a proposal that has like, you know, promises a very pretty website with, you know, very glossy animations and things like that. But that's not our driving factor. Yeah. Our driving factor is the making sure that the platform that we are promising to deliver delivers on those capabilities. Yeah. And that is our priority. The aesthetics are important, but we believe they come secondary to the functionality. Okay, yeah. Because I don't know how frustrated you get when you land on a website that just doesn't work. Yeah. Looks great. I'm sure it's got some, you know, pretty buttons. Yeah. But it, none of those buttons work. <laughs> <laughs> or don't do what you expect. <laughs> because it's far harder to retain your reputation on something that looks nice and doesn't work than something that looks okay, but works really well. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. But I think that gives a, I think that gives our audience a bit of an insight into our approach to projects. Yeah, I think the so. way in which we like to work. Yeah, sort of who we like to work with. Definitely. I think this is the last podcast we're doing on ethics, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Because next month we're going to be talking about speed. Yes. Which um, pretty excited about actually because that can lend itself to all sorts of things. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of areas we can touch there. I think you know, we've already mentioned a little bit about the idea of kind of content and that kind of thing. So there's certainly a speed element to all of that. Um, then there's the, the speed of, of technology. You know, for us, it's, you know, websites, platforms, apps, that kind of thing. Um, you know, the speed of you know, even things like your your contracts and the way, you know, technology is evolving and you're kept in the loop of buying new products and that kind of thing as well. So, yeah, there's a whole whole load of sort of bits and pieces where we're looking to cover which should be really good yeah i can't wait but uh for now i believe that's everything should we call it a day yep let's wrap it up excellent we'll see you all next time